If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Lembet Opic on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Very good morning to you. How are you today? Lembet Opic with you. It's four minutes past six GMT. And uh, appropriately enough, uh, we are on a Friday uh, looking at the end of the week and potentially the end of some careers as well. Uh, Joe Biden uh, managing to absolutely smash it out of the park, but not in a good way uh, when it comes to China. Uh, We've also got uh, all kinds of other interesting developments. Uh, One of our listeners, uh, somebody who's quite active in the chat, uh, got in touch with me. I've contacted the school of his daughter. What's all that about? You'll find out in this hour. And uh, we've got Simeon Boykoff, uh, the man of the moment, a person who always understands what's going on and more to the point, expresses it in a way which uh, makes a lot of sense to everyone. We have a round robin of news on all over the world in this hour, and you've got me for two. If you want to get involved in the discussion, then why not go to the chat? Uh, you can go to tntradio.live and you can join the chat discussion. I always feel that's the best way to get the most out of our station because you can have your dialogue. doesn't always have to be in agreement with what we're saying on the station. But if I get the chance, I'll read out your comments, um, even if they're at variance to what I've said myself. Uh, and there are some phone numbers there as well. So if you want to uh, call in, uh, as long as I've got time, I'll squeeze in your number. Uh, just want to uh, make a couple of observations about the news. Uh, looks like Joe Biden has made a few more gaffes. We'll go into more detail on that in the second hour. Uh, but uh, is he really fit to stand for president again? Uh, apparently, the Democrats say yes. Joe Biden says yes. Just imagine his prowess in four years' time. The man who's got his finger on the biggest nuclear button on the planet, uh, but sometimes forgets uh, things about his own background. And some might say, makes stuff up. That might not be new for a politician, but when you make stuff up and you don't remember you've made it up, that's a little bit more worrying. What do you think about Joe Biden? Do you think he's doing a good job? And back to this central question. Why is he talking to China after more or less threatening China with some kind of annihilation? Could it be the half trillion dollars a year of business that they conduct? Could it be because China makes more or less everything the Americans buy? Or have I missed something? Maybe there's some deeper and more sophisticated narrative here. I suspect that they were never going to go to war in the first place. And Xi Jinping, the premier of China, is laughing all the way to the bank and to Washington for all those dinners. (laughs) It's said in some of the uh, uh, news reports that uh, Joe Biden's minders were terrified of Biden being in a room with Xi Jinping on his own, just in case, I suppose, he sells America or the rest of America to China. Uh, Who would you trust more, Xi Jinping? Well, Joe Biden, you can put that in the chat if you want to. Uh, And just one other thing, the echoes, the reverberations of the appointment of former prime minister in the UK, that is, uh, David Cameron, are still going round the country. You've just heard that in our news report. Well, things are settling down. How is he going to do? How would you feel if you had your former boss as your employee? That's what Rishi Sunak has done. Is that a smart move? Well, if we've got time, we're going to talk about that in the second hour of the show as well. But if there may be something else on your mind that you would like us to discuss, then go to tntradio.live, join the chat. That is the place to do it. And then you've got the opportunity to express your views. You can have a bellyache. You can say everything we say is exactly right. But you don't have to do that. 
In TNT Radio, we talk about facts as best we can establish them. We express our opinions and clearly flag them as such and expect you to do the rest. The rest being think for yourself. That is the only criterion to get the most out of TNT Radio. I'm Len Topic, and this is TNT Radio. Talk that matters. For once, we just need to do what's best for this damn country and not what's best for the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Joining me now is our regular truth sleuth. It's Gemma Cooper. Good morning, Gemma. How are you doing today? Yes, very well, Lambert. It's Friday and uh, it's the end of the week and the weekend's coming. So, yeah, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Uh, Not bad. That means that we don't have to get up at stupid (laughs) o'clock. It is good. (laughs) But two glorious days. We can actually sleep till (laughs) till six or maybe even seven in the morning. I wake up in a panic on Saturday morning singing, I'm missing something. But anyway, that's a good thing, I suppose. <laughs> but I do love being here as well. Uh, busy times, though. Uh, I don't. Before we talk about what you're talking about, it looks like Joe Biden is more or less accused uh, um, the Chinese Premier of being some kind of a dictator. I don't think he was meant to say that. Uh, <laughs> but just, just out of interest, before we talk about what you want to talk about, why do you think that after all the sabre-rattling against China, Joe Biden's best mates with Xi Jinping. Well, I mean, politics is a crazy game, isn't it? But money talks, as you alluded to just a minute ago. And uh, yeah, I think that's more like it. But he couldn't, he's, he's like got Tourette's and he's he's got so much <laughs> wrong with him of Biden. He said the thing that's probably true, you know, when, when people with Tourette's, I'm not taking the mickey out of people with Tourette's, <laughs> but sometimes it can be funny. Um, and there's a guy who's got Tourette's at one of my local supermarkets. And he, honestly, he comes out with some stuff. Even, we, everybody, even he laughs, you know. But, you know, when someone walks in and he goes, fat, fat cow, fat cow. That's what Biden's like, tyrant dictator oh sorry shouldn't have said that i'm not taking the mickey out of anyone with tourette's i'm not i'm just using it as an example of how this person is in like you rightly say he's the most powerful man in the world got his finger on the button and he clearly can't control his own mental thought processes so that's what's interesting about all of this it reminds me of a joke where a man you know what a faux pas is when it comes out slightly wrong it can be funny but it comes out slightly wrong joe biden meant to say uh we can be Great, great friends, China and I. But instead, he went. You've ruined my life. <laughs> you know, and like, no, 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 Joe. That's not what you're meant to be saying. They're building America. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but he's the gift that keeps on giving. We would be much worse off with Joe Biden. The only person who could give us more news entertainment would be Donald Trump. Here's hoping. Anyway, so <laughs> what have you got for us this morning? Well, what I've got this morning, it's an, it's an example of one of those stories that would be funny, actually, if it wasn't so pernicious and creeping into every area of society. And also, there's more sinister, I think, um, implications with this story than, than on the surface. So the, the, the headlines are today in the UK that a, a police force in this country has been given a new internal guide and it's warning staff. It's all gone woke. It's all gone agenda. Um, but it's basically warning staff that the word policeman, policeman, could actually be now illegal. And it's encouraging people to use the words police officer, not policeman. And there's all sorts of other language in here that it says you now cannot use as a policeman. Uh, Man up, you can't say man up. You can't say grow a pair. You can't call people elderly or or old age pensioners. You should bin that. Um, You can't say high poverty rates. You have to say communities with access to fewer opportunities. And if you what? make mistakes, yeah, I know, I know. And if you make any mistakes along your journey with language, as long as you learn from them and you rectify them, then that is okay. Now, this is Staffordshire Police, and they've made this 12-page guide, which they've given out to all members of staff. But it's they're not the only police force in the UK 
to go woke. Um, another force earlier in the year, Hertfordshire force, uh, banned the words sir and mom, uh, basic terms of respect. No, they've been banned. Um, Kent Fire and Rescue has dropped he and she in favour of the pronouns they and them. Uh, the Scout Association has been waded in on the woke thing. Well, God knows why. I mean, the Scout Association is for kids mainly, I think. Although I know you you are a scout for, as, as an adult, but they've 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 said no more firemen or postmen. It's firefighters, postal workers. No more mankind. It's humankind. So it's an agenda that's everywhere, but. There's this whole um, uh, debate, which I know a lot of people in the chat will know more than me about, but this whole policeman, police officer thing, there's actually quite a, 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 a this quite important, this definition, because uh, apparently, and, and I'm happy to be corrected on this by, by listeners, policeman or policewoman vows to serve and protect the public and uphold the law, which is common law, and the police officer is the legal, legal corporate fiction, personality fiction, and they represent the corporate world in statutes. And they don't actually have as much power to uphold the law as a policeman or policewoman. Um, and police officers only have jurisdiction by consent. So the policeman and policewoman is, is really upholding common law. Police officer is statute law. So it actually has implications if you get rid of policeman, policewoman, which is obviously what this, these language guides and these woke guides are planning on doing. And there'll be all the other forces will be doing it too. It's just this one's hit the headlines. Um, but does it have implications for the way we're policed and the way we're governed and the way the law, as in common law, should be upheld, but it isn't? And statute law, marine law is. So I think the, the chat might have more info on that than me, but I'm, I'm very aware this is a debate, police officer, policeman, that's been rumbling around for a few years now. Um, and it looks like these guys, these woke guides, are a, an attempt to bring that in by the back door. Well, there's another issue here as well. If you spend all your time worrying about pronouns, you're not going to save humans. Uh, uh, because I suspect that eventually, if this is the way we're going, uh, you could save a life and then say, well, I want to prosecute the police force because they called me a man. I mean, it's just ridiculous, ridiculous situation. My child, my six-year-old, loves pink, loves dressing up as a princess. And if my school started challenging her to think about what pronoun she would uh, support, I would change the school because I would say, well, <clears throat> we have to take these issues seriously. They affect a relatively small proportion of the population. And most people think of themselves as male and female. I don't get, Gemma, how we've got to a situation where we spend so much time on trans issues that the man who wants to be prime minister, Keir Starmer, said that 99% of women don't have penises. I mean, <laughs> how did he do that research for a start? And secondly, why do they spend so much time talking about it? Uh, um, I, I just get so frustrated by this whole thing. Um, what's well, driving it? I think there's there's this bigger agenda. I think a lot, all of our public sector organisations and a lot of corporations, I think it, it's coming down from on high and these sort of shadowy government think tanks. And mm. the, uh, uh, that net zero event that I hosted last weekend here in the UK, there was a lot of talk about, you know, that, that these you get points, you get you get money for doing it. It's not just like, oh, one person in a company decides we'll produce this 12 page pamphlet and guide and, and talk about language. It comes to them from someone above them and then they're getting it from someone above them. I need to do a little bit more kind of research mm. into this, what think tanks are driving this, because it clearly is agenda driven when you look at all the organizations here in the UK that have adopted this approach to language. 
um, you know, everything from from a fire and rescue to the police to the scouts, everything is being co-opted to change the way we uh, approach language, approach each other, uh, you know, too scared to do anything. But the, I, going back to the original point, the way the language is being changed, policeman or policewoman to police officer, they and them instead of he and she, where is it leading us? You know, it's going down a kind of non-human route, isn't it? Get rid of the words man and woman, get rid of he and mm. she. It, and it's, it is everywhere. It is part of this overarching and it won't just be the uk it's pushing us i think down this kind of more of the take away our humanity and merge us with the technology i don't know what the timeline will be for that but it's very clear you know gender neutral means human neutral almost actually it's mm. it's, it's very um it's creeping and, and then you get a headline saying oh it's woke gone mad no it's more than that it's it's more dangerous than that um and people go raise their eyebrows and mps are kicking off saying oh this is ridiculous police should be policing i completely agree they should be policing um but it's not going to stop it's not stopping it it's it's coming into every aspect of our society now very very quickly and out of nowhere which definitely has orchestration written all over it um robert hancock says one of the last three letters of the following woman person human think about that for a minute uh holly says uh uh there's a good point from holly actually really good point uh who says um well that's me and my frank talking out the window and uh and she says if you're ready for this that's a seriously good point Gemma. well done holly you've made Gemma's day <laughs> there's quite a lot of um support for what you're saying and this is the point it suggests to me that the overwhelming majority of the public would agree exactly with what you've said and they will say man woman and so forth because most people you don't have to be um, a homophobe or scared of transsexuals to say this but most people identify as conventional men and women and it should be all right but instead like we talked the other day you almost have to be apologizing for being part of the majority these days yeah, there you you do, but uh, it, it is. It, I think they're they're really relentless on it, and they won't stop until we're so browbeaten. Maybe not people our age, and certainly not people that have had a kind of a an awakening over the last few years. But I think you know, in the end, if you're working for these organisations and you're continually hauled in by your superiors for using the mm. words policeman, you know, eventually you're just going to be like, uh, if you're constantly on a disciplinary for not using the right language, you will crack eventually. If you're under threat of losing your job, you will do what you're told, and we saw this over the last three and a half years so maybe you might not agree with it but you'll do it because if you've got kids and a mortgage you will do it so it will kind if they keep relentlessly saying no it's, it's police officer it's police officer you can't say policeman anymore it's illegal that's what they're saying in this guide it could be made illegal that's how the ridiculousness Incredible. but also how desperate how desperate they are to push it through you see so it, it relies on non-compliance and it relies on kickback but these are big organizations with good salaries and good pensions and nobody wants to jeopardize those positions looking back to last saturday when i was robbed in the strand which is right in the middle of the capital of the united kingdom london rather than being asked what pronoun I prefer, I would rather they had caught the person, the horrible scumbag who stole my phone. And I wouldn't really have cared about the language they used when they caught the scumbags who did that. Uh, Gemma, thanks as always. Uh, candid and to the point, what do you think about what Gemma said? You can get involved at tntradio.live. The chat is up and running uh, with the usual suspects and a few new ones as well. Uh, um, Anto says, from now on, I want to be called Loretta. 
Okay. Good luck with that, Anto. Uh, so Anto, yes. Well, sorry. Good luck with that, Loretta. Let me be the first. Uh, and Holly <laughs> says, "Good morning, Loretta." One, and I think she wants to be called RoboCop. Uh, whatever your pronoun, welcome to <laughs> me, Lemonopic, here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Jeremy Now. We won't get into the politics too much, but I do enjoy your position, and that is, I'm American, America first. Yeah, that's right, America first. I don't, I don't care about Hamas, I don't care about Israel. They're fighting over a patch of sand that I don't care about in a place that I don't care about, and it's two people groups that I don't care about. It has nothing to do with us, and that has nothing to do with ethnocentrism. It, that just has to do with the fact that if you're in a nation, your loyalty should always go with the nation first. I, I don't even know how you would run a nation that didn't operate that way. Mm. And you've spoken about that hierarchy before. Uh, it's uh, God, family, nation. That's right. God, family, nation. It has to be as part of the intrinsic hierarchy of reality. You're going to start with God and then family and then nation in that order. It, I don't even think it works any other way, to be honest with you. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored News. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Coming up in this hour, and it's 22 past six in the morning on GMT in the UK. Uh, coming up in this hour, uh, we've got Omar Khan in a moment, a global consultant who is always good value. Uh, we've got Simeon Boykov, a fellow TNT presenter after that. And we've got Jason Sloan. Now, who is Jason Sloan? He is a listener who has been in the chat very active and who was concerned about the treatment of his child at school. Well, we're going to get... Uh, him on air here because I took some action about this yesterday. That is how free speech we are here at TNT Radio. He's going to be on in this hour as well. You'll find out all about that in about 25 minutes. But let's go to Omar Khan. Uh, good day to you, Omar. Great to have you back. Thank you. Nice to be back. Um, I, I realized last time somebody asked where to find me and I gave one link in case anybody else is interested, uncommonwisdom.online. Say that again. Uncommonwisdom.online. Uncommonwisdom.online. You actually own that. That's a pretty good location. It's not bad. It's got a lot of podcasts, including a scorcher with Peter McCullough, um, that included something you were interested in, his protocol for reversing the effects of the mRNA vaccines. 
that would help me. Um, I've had blood pressure issues since the third vaccine. Uh, my, my solution has been more exercise, which seems to have done the job. But it was a frightening experience, I have to say. What uncommon wisdom do you have for us today, Omar? Uh, well, it is a warning that the UN and Bill Gates have now launched, uh, as you must know, their global digital infrastructure plans uh, as a blessing for all of us unwashed. Um, and they are calling it DPI. Um, in, in, I'm quoting now, digital public infrastructure is a secure, and don't you love the word, interoperable network, interoperable network of components that include digital payments, ID, and data exchange systems. So it's the same shit that we've all known, that they want to basically control all aspects of your life, how your money is processed, where you are, what you do. And the countries that have signed up so far, 11 countries, interesting, Bangladesh, Brazil, Estonia, Ethiopia, Guatemala, Moldova, Norway, Senegal, Sierra Leone, Singapore, Sri Lanka, where I sit, and Togo. Uh, quite, a, quite a spread. Um, NATO, EU, and BRICS members. Um, and I think nobody knows what they're doing. They're just jumping on the fad wagon. Why do you think they've signed up? What do, they, what do you think those, those states think they'll benefit uh, from this? Well, I, I think the um, countries more on the periphery think that it's a way to play with the big boys, that it's a ticket to the future, that maybe it's a fast track to legitimacy uh, or solvency, or that they'll miss their place in the queue if they don't jump on board, and they haven't thought through the implications or the backlash. In some of these countries, people operate still on a barter system, <laughs> you know, uh, or they use hard-won cash. They keep it under their mattress. They don't trust banks for good reason, as we've now found out. So good luck to them. But I think it's the optics of showing that it's an inclusive tent. Uh, Estonia, which I know because I'm a dual citizen uh, with Estonian citizenship, uh, is the most uh, digital country in the world. They have incredible restrictions on how you can use or abuse the data. I haven't got time to explain how now. I can understand why they seem to trust it, though they were the first country to be shut down by a cyber attack. But mm. what do you think the implications will be if the rest of the world follows suit? Well, I think they will be devastating. I think they will finish the job that was started with the Patriot Act, uh, with other incursions into our liberties, which mushroomed during COVID, uh, which is now being perpetrated where that if you speak against uh, anything Israel does, you're immediate anti-Semite, guilty of a hate crime. Um, you know, you're in a situation where... Um, the European Central Bank says it's moving to a digital euro. And this woman, um, Christine Lagarde, former IMF um, head, said that it will afford some limited control over people's spending. I mean, imagine now China and the U.S., Nikki Haley, who's crazy, and China are speaking from the same hymn book, saying online anonymity should be removed. Now, if that doesn't send a chill down your spine, I mean, I want to know 
why these people think that they'll be able to control it. You know, this is when I was in law school, we were told of a slippery slope. Beware, because once you start sliding down that slope, now you might think, these people might think they're benign and they're not, but imagine that you get some real strong man taking this structure and you've now given them the tools for world domination in a way that nobody even in a James Bond movie ever fantasized about. It's not a glamorous way to take control, but a very effective one. Uh, if if they're actually publicly talking about the prospect of being able to control our spending, that means you could prevent someone from buying too much meat or yes. too much beer or too many holidays on on the basis of some perceived virtue signaling rubbish from the government. And you can imagine that the people, the ultra-rich, will be exempt as they were through that whole COVID period where nobody else could travel, but they were still jetting around on private jets. Nobody else could go out, but of course they were exempt, no masks in sight. So this is a way to sort of take the teeming population of the planet, planet which might get too unruly, uh, and tether them so that uh, the puppet masters can continue to play. And we must be aware, because we're hearing all this. So if we go quiet into that night, then we deserve it. I mean, this is uh, not happening course. behind closed doors. <clears throat> That's the thing. They're not even hiding in plain sight. It's just in plain, plain sight. sight. Yeah. And unless we actually call this out and either vote for people who don't agree yes. or stand as candidates ourselves it's just going to happen isn't it by default well that's where the momentum is going it's lowest common denominator they will continue to try and sedate us with pop cultural diversions and amusements uh, and if we just sit there we will pretty much find that our autonomy is gone everything we valued as human beings um, you know, has gone and we like those dystopian science fiction movies where there's a small band of people off the grid trying to survive um, while these enclaves, you know. Um, so, look, right now it's on the horizon. So this is the time to agitate and to act. And that's why what you do is so much on the side of the angels to get the word out. Well, uh, right back at you there. And the worst thing about this, Omar Khan, the next time there's a lockdown, it will mean that the only place there are any decent parties will be in Downing Street. Yes. Uh, thanks very much indeed, Omar. If I get an invite, you'll definitely be my plus one. That's Omar Khan. What do you think about I'll, what he I'll said? hold you to that. <laughs> All I have to do is make sure the Prime Minister agrees. Off the <laughs> record, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, Omar Khan's pointing out the fact that if we don't stand up, then the creeping hand of authoritarianism will tell you what you can buy. How do you feel about that? Uh, get in touch, go to uh, tntradio.live, uh, get involved in the chat, or you can phone in as well. Uh, we have actually got uh, one of our favourite chat people on the show in about 15 minutes. Shows that if you talk, you can also speak on the station. Uh, coming up next, we've got Simeon Boykov, a fellow TNT presenter with me, Lambert Topic, on TNT Radio. What time is it? Now, TNT Radio News. You know what time it is? Yeah. Time to read some news. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. 
China has hit back at US President Joe Biden after he called Chinese President Xi Jinping a dictator following Wednesday's high-stakes summit in California. There are fears hundreds of patients may have been exposed to HIV at a hospital in the United States. And former British Prime Minister David Cameron has turned up in Ukraine just days after he was appointed Britain's new Foreign Secretary, seven years after leaving office. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Great uh, to have you back. Uh, it's um, 06.32 uh, on the GMT uh, clock. Uh, work it out for yourself, whatever time it is. Incidentally, yes, there are some parts of the world which aren't full hours ahead or behind. You've got 15-minute uh, time zones and 30-minute time zones. So I'm not going to go across the world, but I'm very grateful wherever you are in the world, that you've joined TNT Radio, the home of free speech. And we continue in that vein with one of the great beacons of freedom of thought and expression. It's Simeon Boycott, fellow TNT presenter. Simeon, good afternoon to you. How's it, how's it looking over in Australia? Good afternoon, Lambert. Look, it's uh, good news and bad news for one of our good friends, uh, TNT Radio co-host, in fact, uh, David McBride, also known as Major McBride. He is, for those who don't know, a British military officer, former British officer, who then served as an Australian Defence Force military lawyer. And just 35 minutes ago, outside the Supreme Court in Canberra, David McBride uh, has pled guilty to the offences that he's been accused of. Uh, it's breaking news. It's just come to light. Uh, McBride's trial has been uh, at the centre of mainstream media news and public interest, although the uh, Supreme Court ruled that the evidence is not of public interest. Now, there's a key uh, point to this situation. He has pleaded guilty to three charges of stealing uh, and unlawfully sharing secret information, although memory, many people would say that he's a hero because the information that he uh, exposed as a whistleblower actually led to an investigation, what later became known as the Afghan Files, which detailed Australian troops' alleged illegal killings of civilians in Afghanistan. And McBride really uh, should be hailed for his action, for his move as a whistleblower, someone who uh, revealed the truth and exposed the crimes of the Australian Defence Force at that time. Now, he's, it's an unlevel playing field. In the courtroom, the Commonwealth uh, prosecutors uh, asked the court uh, to suppress uh, the key evidence that McBride was relying on to defend himself against these charges. He was relying on the information in the suppressed files to show and prove to the court and to the jury that the information which he is accused of uh, unlawfully exposing was actually in the public's interest. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that uh, we're talking about uh, crimes of the government, of uh, the Australian Defence Force, they don't want that information brought to light, so they've suppressed that, and they've therefore they've actually prohibited uh, David McBride from using that information to compel the court, to compel the jury, to give a, an explanation and give grounds and give a context to why he uh, breached those uh, classified materials by leaking them to journalists. It was actually to ABC journalists, government-funded journalists, who he actually leaked them to to make this even more of a mess 
uh, than it already is. It's quite a mess. But today, McBride, after failing to being able to use those documents to defend himself, realizing that he does not have any chances to go for a not guilty plea, he today entered into a guilty plea. And the fear was that at uh, four o'clock today, which is uh, 1.5 hours ago, uh, Canberra time, he would uh, then be not given bail. And it's uh, good news to report that thankfully, after he pled guilty, uh, the prosecution surprisingly did not oppose bail. Right? These are very serious charges, my ad. Uh, three counts of stealing and un unlawfully sharing secret information. Uh, and the court has given him bail. Now, the prosecution did not oppose. What does that tell you? Well, that tells you that it could be the fact that the prosecution, the government, are quite afraid of McBride and they do not want to put him in jail, knowing that if they did oppose bail, there would be a massive public outcry. Outside the courtroom, there were protesters. There were buses and trucks with McBride, banners on them. Uh, there were... Uh, quite a lot of journalists and interest from the media. So, I mean, at, at a time where the Australian people are already sick of uh, government overreach and uh, censorship, of course, this would have reflected very badly had they opposed bail and sent McBride to prison. Now, McBride, having pled guilty, he's now next to appear in court for sentencing. Sentencing will take place uh, in the beginning of next year. So at least McBride will be free up until then, and uh, the uh, the Supreme Court in Canberra has uh, made that a very interesting decision to actually give him bail. So we want to congratulate uh, Major McBride. Of course, uh, you can catch his show on Saturdays on TNT Radio. Uh, it's a great day uh, today in a way that he's been given bail, but the fight's not over yet because when he gets sentenced at the beginning of next year, 2024, he may well be sent to jail and uh, who knows what could happen, but fingers crossed for Major McBride. And yeah. uh, it would be a very dark day for freedom of speech in Australia if this uh, was to go pear-shaped. But all, already it has gone pear-shaped, Simeon, because essentially what this means, as far as I understand it, is that the authorities, the state, can, can do whatever, whatever they want, really. And if you report it, uh, but you've broken some non-disclosure agreement, you're the one who's found guilty. I mean, this is extraordinary when you've got a government, which, as I understand it, Simeon, keeps going on about whistleblowing being a good thing. Well, mate, I can definitely relate to <laughs> this predicament. Uh, as our listeners uh, may be aware of, I was uh, charged and pled guilty subsequently to a, breaching a non-publication order, breaching a suppression order. And I received a 10-month sentence uh, the, where the maximum penalty was 12 months. But of course, uh, the uh, harshness, you could say, of that sentence was probably not related to the offence itself, but related to my profile at that time uh, as a person who was fighting back against uh, the police, the government, and by extension, it would be seen uh, uh, the justice system during the lockdowns. So, you know, the government takes it very, very seriously when you breach suppression orders, non-publication orders, when you disclose information. Uh, what they call in McBride's case, unlawfully sharing secret information. Uh, I was not given bail. I applied bail for, for before bail three times, and three times I was knocked back in the local court. I'm very pleased and very happy uh, for our colleague, uh, former Army lawyer David McBride, 
And uh want to add on the air tonight that uh, he was represented by none other than Mark Davies. Congratulations to Mark Davies, of course. Uh, he's my solicitor. He's McBride's solicitor. He was Assange's solicitor. He represents a wide range of uh, freedom activists, uh, friendly Geordies, uh, from the left, from the right, the climate change protesters, the anti-lockdown protesters, you name it. If it's to do with freedom and freedom of speech, it somehow leads to Mark Davies. And it's a big win. Uh, congratulations that the fact that he was given bail but unfortunately through this uh very carefully planned scenario that the crown prosecutors have uh undertaken uh key evidence was withheld suppressed again now when are these suppression orders ever going to end it's always suppressed not in the interests of justice or in the interests of victims it looks like but it's often suppression orders are used to protect the perpetrators to protect those people who really deserve to be named and are not uh, uh, Robert Hancock says, Simeon, the level playing field for the plebs is a sheer drop. A lot of people agreeing with what you're saying in the chat there. Uh, just lastly, if uh, he's pleaded guilty now, uh, it, does that mean that the precedent is, as a whistleblower, you might as well forget it because you've probably signed some secrecy order if you're working with the state, and that will mean that if you try to do what do you think is the right thing for the country, you'll be doing the wrong thing for yourself. Well, you know, the government campaign, if you see something, say <laughs> something. The government spends millions telling people, if you see something, say something, speak up. If you see something that's wrong, dob in your neighbour, dob in a mate, dob in an official, dob in uh, a potential criminal. But the government does not provide any uh, parachute or any sort of uh, uh, safety net for those people who potentially are whistleblowers. I'll just give an example. There's uh, There are clear examples where people have come forward many times, and I don't want to use my example, but you could probably guess that this is the case, and expose the crimes of, for example, uh, a pedophile, right? And the, the court puts a suppression order on. Bang, you can't talk about it. Right? What about all the other victims that would have come forward had they known that this person was before the courts, Right. And I can't speak much about that case, which I was involved in last year, but I was jailed, right, for 10 months. They gave me a 10-month sentence, maximum security. And the perpetrator is still before the courts. Uh, but if you stay tuned to TNT Radio uh, by about uh, next late, late next year, 2024, you'll see and hear the full story about uh, what happened in that case in the in the breach of a suppression order. Uh, but it's a bloody disgrace, some of these suppression orders and the way they punish, instead of punishing the victims, they punish the whistleblowers, they punish those people who really uh, uh, ought to be known as informants. Now, informant, to be a police informant, it's a bad thing, right? Especially if, you're, if you've been to jail, if, if you mix with criminals, you can't be known as an informant. It's very bad uh, for your reputation and it's a very bad thing to be said about you or being even accused of being an informant. But really, McBride, in this case, was an informant, right? And he should be viewed as an informant. In fact, uh, it should be the Crown prosecutors themselves who should be giving up a letter to the Supreme Court judge saying, although he breached uh, some laws by exposing this information, he actually exposed the information uh, in the public interest. And unfortunately, they're, they're not allowing them to the McBride's team, Mark Davies, to use that argument of public interest. But really, he's the informant, thanks to McBride's uh, outspoken position, thanks to the fact that he was more interested in the truth than his career, and it's a selfless move. You know, as a, a military lawyer, uh, as an officer, he had a great career ahead of him. He would have retired with a good pension, and of course, he's put that all on the line 
for truth, for freedom of speech. Uh, and we're very, very proud to have uh, David McBride as uh, our co-host on Team T Radio. You can catch him on Saturdays. Thank you, Simeon. That's Simeon Boykov, and you should listen to David McBride. His credentials as a whistleblower have been proved. Whether you agree with what he did or not, he definitely tells it like it is. That's what we do on TNT Radio. Coming up next, uh, we've actually got uh, somebody else who's blown a whistle uh, on this occasion about the British education system. Uh, that is uh, coming up in just a moment. Uh, I'm Lemba Turpik. This is TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Who says legislation isn't a contact sport? We nearly came to blows today in the United States Senate as Senator Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma squared off against Sean Butterbean O'Brien, the general president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. O'Brien had been very critical of Mullen on X, tweeting, greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made. Just a clown and a fraud, always has been, always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me, any place, any time, cowboy. Mark Wayne Mullen read that tweet and said, here is a place, not now is a time you want to go? And Butterbean said, let's go. Cooler heads like Bernie Sanders intervened. They weren't going to come to blows anyway. This wasn't quite the caning of abolitionist Republican Senator Charles Sumner by pro-slavery Democrat Senator Preston Brooks of South Carolina in 1856, but it was good to see a Republican show a little spine, show a little enthusiasm for his position. Now, if we can only get Mark Wayne as focused on election integrity efforts and on budgetary issues as he is on posts on X. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Challenging the consensus and debunking the narrative, this is Viewpoint. Great water infrastructure can transform vast areas of land from a dust bowl to an oasis. The Snowy Mountains scheme in Australia was a fine example. It paid for itself many times over in billions of dollars worth of agricultural production in the Murray-Darling Basin. In 1984, at the direction of the Queensland State Government, four of Australia's leading hydraulic engineering firms investigated a revised Bradfield scheme. Based on this study, the government's Office of Northern Development estimated the scheme would have a net capital cost of $2.49 billion and would produce an annual gross revenue value of production of $2.02 billion. Therefore, the scheme would pay for itself in less than two years. In recent years, Sir Leo Heilscher and Sir Frank Moore have championed a revised Bradfield scheme to divert floodwaters from northern Queensland into the Murray-Darling Basin. Lembit Opic on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Greetings. It's quarter to seven in the United Kingdom, Greenwich Mean Time or UTC, uh, if you don't like uh, the Empire. Uh, wherever you are listening, thank you very much for joining the home of free speech. That's TNT Radio. You can get involved in the discussion uh, by going to tntradio.live and join the chat. And I'll explain why that's useful in just a minute. You'll also find some phone numbers there if you want to call in. As long as we've got time, I'll get you on to the call uh, and onto the show. Remember, you don't have to agree with what you're saying. Uh, indeed, yesterday, we had somebody who was really quite unhappy about something that was said. Well, we gave him the right to reply. And uh, that's what we do here. We want to have a dialogue with the world and make the world listen. Because we deal with facts, we express opinions, and we ask you to think 
for yourself. Those are the only three criteria. That's the recipe for free speech right here on TNT Radio. Now, my next guest is actually somebody who I met through the chat on TNTradio.live. Uh, Jason Sloan has been uh, quite concerned about the treatment of his of his child uh, at a school. We're going to find out more about that in just a minute. Uh, and the purpose of this is to begin to develop a dialogue where TNT Radio doesn't just talk to itself and talk to each other, but actually takes on the establishment as well. When we call it out, we will not rest. Uh, Jason, thanks very much for joining us uh, on TNT Radio this morning. You're welcome. Good morning. Uh, first of all, uh, tell us about what happened to your child. Well, uh, I have four children, obviously, two children that I've got through and out of the uh, indoctrination system. I've got two children in the secondary school at the moment. And obviously, I keep them well educated about certain narratives that are being pushed around the world at the moment. And uh, one of those narratives was the climate, the fake climate. Um, so my youngest daughter of 13 was given a test paper a few weeks back about uh, the climate narrative. And it wasn't a democratic question. It was a question that said, how much do you agree that CO2 affects the climate? And uh, what was her answer? Her answer was on the lines of, I totally disagree that CO2 affects the climate because the climate actually affects the uh, level of CO2 in the atmosphere. And the current level of CO2 in the atmosphere is 0.04%. And if it falls to below 0.02% on the lines, that uh, plant life starts to die. And did you get a good mark for that? Because that's more or less correct. She got a one out of a possible nine. Why? Uh, well, I think the teacher's heads probably fell off when they saw the answer. <laughs> now, um, you got in touch and uh, just to explain to listeners, I made a promise to follow this up with the school. I won't name the school uh, because they've actually been quite cooperative. And the school said to me that there are two reasons why the score might be low. One might be because it wasn't a comprehensive answer, it wasn't sufficiently detailed. The other reason might be because it was a wrong answer. <clears throat> I'm not uh, in a position to necessarily say the quality of the content in terms of how uh, argued it was. But speaking to the school, it seems to me, Jason, that there could be a fundamental flaw in the curriculum of English teaching that makes teachers promote the climate emergency narrative. How do you feel about that? Well, that's exactly true. And obviously, we know it's being pushed from above. Um, I think most parents who have got children in education at the moment need to be aware and need to be aware of what. Uh, is being pushed on their children. I think uh, you should know, Olympic. obviously in Wales seems to be the test ground and in the gutter at the moment, uh, as even at primary school level. And uh, how did your daughter react to that score and to what she was told? Well, she told me that she only got a one out of nine. So I said, don't worry about it. Don't, um... so your answer there was a pretty, it was a pretty good answer. And uh, in the time that you have in a test, I said, if you want to come home, if you want to do a full report to give to the teacher, I'll uh, I'll help you do a full scientific report to put together to send into the school to, to back up your claims. Well, I, I had a long conversation. It was like half an hour, maybe longer with the school. 
I have to say, I found the individual very helpful. Uh, She took it seriously. And I ended up at an unexpected place in that dialogue. The unexpected place was that I committed to looking at the curriculum as presented to the school to establish whether they were simply obeying orders. Now, the big concern I have here, Jason, is this. If they were simply obeying orders, that means that the entire English education system is directed at telling lies to children about the climate. Because as you rightly say, and as your daughter rightly said, CO2 tends to reflect temperature. It doesn't tend to drive. It has a small effect, but by and large, the biggest greenhouse gas, as you know, is H2O, it's water vapor. So if it turns out, and I haven't had time to do this yet, Jason, because I've been too busy preparing for today's show. If it turns out that the curriculum is driving teachers to mark down honest answers, where does that take us as a society? Homeschooling. Hmm. Interesting. Have you attempted that? I've not attempted it. I spoke out to a few other parents because, um, when you speak to parents about homeschooling, and I know a lot of parents are unhappy about this school. Everyone, the same, it's the same answer every time. Uh, I haven't got time. And I don't, I've spoke to a lot of people who do homeschooling and they say it's the best decision they ever made. And there's no looking back. Now, I think I, my thought was collectively, if enough parents could get together and we do homeschooling with a number of five, six, seven children and we share that, share the burden and the children switch from uh, homes to homes. So they've got, um, multiple parental influences in that education system, I think it could work. Uh, and I've looked into it a little bit, Etienne's 14 next year, and apparently they can be home alone at 14, even though that wouldn't happen. And I have asked both my children about homeschooling, and they both give me the same answer. They still want to go to school to see the friends, mm-hmm. which is understandable. Well, yeah, the, the, the socialisation part, I think, is quite important, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, the... The problem is this dilemma that you're presented with as a parent now. Let your child go to school for the socialization, but accept that potentially some of what they're told is lies, is indoctrination, to use your phrase. How do we actually get the state to stop doing this? Can we? Uh, we must be able to do somehow, but it's got to be done collectively, hasn't it? I mean, I know from hand-on experience, just from somebody I know who's a teacher, when I put her on the spot about this situation, and she just said to me, she's doing what she's told. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said to her, you. You have to, so you, come on. Mm-hmm. No, after you, after you. So, um, so I said to her, so you are prepared to push a narrative that you know is false on children just to get your pay packet? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, yeah, the the, right. the, rep, the representative of the school did say to me that if the curriculum, I'm paraphrasing, but if the curriculum demands a thing, then they are obliged to deliver it. And it's a, it's a very concerning thing because that would mean it's hardwired into the way that people are being taught. Uh, I know you're not on the chat today because you're on air, which is, by the way, a first for my show here on TNT Radio, uh, actually having somebody from the chat on air but it proves that uh, we generally do try to promote free speech holly says the teacher probably didn't understand the correct answer and uh 
Louise says, my daughter came out of school a few years ago, hysterical. She must have been about six or seven, crying her eyes out because the teacher had told her that the earth was going to burn up. I was fuming. She takes things literally at that age. Uh, Mogden says they are as brainwashed as most of the population. That's the teachers. Uh, just had the conversation with most workmates or friends. Uh, and Holly adds, it's not an education system. It is thought indoctrination system. Indeed, get them out of there. And Mogden adds, I was only following orders. Um, it does seem to me uh, that what you have uncovered and you have, I think, courageously tried to highlight could become a test case for the entire country. Uh, if you're willing to do this with me, uh, are you willing to, to, to investigate the actual guidance given in the national curriculum and potentially take it right up to the Department for Education? Yes. Okay. I did contact the school. I, I've already, I, I contacted the school about this issue, and I obviously contacted them. I I asked to speak to the teacher in question, which was the geography teacher. She did come back to me the following day, and I basically all I said to her was um, regarding the test that Etienne recently did with you. Uh, I think you've made a mistake in your in your uh, marking. Uh, so we spoke about it in detail, and she did say that she would. Um, she did say to me it was a, it was a GCSE level uh, test, which the first, which is the first time she's done one. But she did say she'd review it, speak to my daughter, and then come back to me on it. Obviously, which I'm still waiting for. What would be interesting for you to ask the teacher is, do they believe that carbon dioxide, specifically generated by human beings? is making a measurable difference to the to the climate I, I don't believe that you can measure the difference i think that the noise in the climate is far more substantial than the three and a half percent we contribute to the 0.04 percent of uh, of co2 in, in the carbon budget uh there's a couple of comments here uh jason let me just read them to you uh i think uh terry truthful says mind control mind control the the process is common purpose training all in all it's just another brick in the wall uh oh you're just another brick in the wall uh and i think that's also uh, a tilt to pink floyd uh, holly says homeschooling all the way what's more important if you have children than to nurture them properly uh isn't it tragic though jason if we pay taxes for an education system that isn't educating our children but is merely indoctrinating them it's wrong the thing is, I think today, my two eldest children, they've always been indoctrination centres, but it wasn't as bad. They're, they're, they're on full steam ahead now in this uh, in the education system, and we know what for and what and for what agenda it's for. What is the agenda? Uh, the agenda 2030. Mm. Yeah. The authoritarian I don't, I, I don't, regime. I, I, I don't like to call them the elites. They're uh, the globalist parasites. And we are all here today because obviously we're, we're awake to all this. Jason, it's great to have a TNT listener on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. We've got some work to do. We need to look at the curriculum, the national curriculum in the United Kingdom for children to see if all of this is embedded in what the teachers are told to do. Uh, Holly says exactly that, Jason. It's pay packet. And uh, Terry Truthful adds, uh, absolutely, they're told the narrative and taught to follow the orders. It seems to me that TNT Radio has a mission here to investigate what is being told to the teachers to tell to the children. Could it be 
that we have a course of labor here which could ultimately change the way that children are educated about the non-existent climate emergency. I want to know your views on that. Do go to the chat. Uh, go to tntradio.live. You can get involved there. Uh, you can also phone in. There are phone numbers there. I want to know what you think. Uh, coming up in the next hour, we've got some more truth to share. Uh, but a big thank you to Jason Sloan, who is one of our regular listeners and chatters right here on TNT Radio. <laughs> 